From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Tuesday, January 4th. Monday was the first business day of the new year. As such, it rang in a lot of firsts for the Moab area. We're going to highlight a few of them today, and we'll start off with a first for Arches National Park. I think that we were all uh, very excited at the park, maybe a little bit nervous too, because a lot of planning has gone into this effort. That's public affairs specialist Kate Thomas speaking to me on Monday. The first day Arches National Park's pilot reservation system was live. If you want to visit the park between 6 a.m. and 5 p.m. April through October, Arches is now requiring you get a reservation. Spots for April became available on Monday through the website recreation.gov. According to Thomas, things went smoothly. So we didn't have any hiccups. The release went well. Because we had never done this before, we had no idea if the tickets were going to sell out all at once or if nobody would buy the tickets. And it looks like it was kind of in between. So we did have about 4,000 tickets that were sold for the month of April um, and still several thousand left. So we were just kind of in the middle of the road, which actually I think is a great place for us to be. Timed entry reservations for April at Arches will remain available on recreation.gov until gone. Thomas says the park is still setting aside about 25% of the tickets each day to next day entry. And it's it's going to be a variable percentage, just depending on how many we sell in advance and how many cancellations we see or don't see. That number can can vary, but every single day at 6 p.m. starting April 2nd all the way through the pilot, those tickets will also be available on rec.gov. So there's there's still plenty of flexibility for folks who didn't get their uh, early reservation. She says the Park Service is likely to tweak the reservation system as it's running. They've currently targeted about 2,700 vehicles per day for entry. That's based on their average peak visitation data from 2019. Thomas says they will bring in a social scientist to monitor traffic and gather feedback about the program. The hope is that timed entry will spread visitors across the park more evenly and efficiently. So if it is a really efficient way to get folks into the park, you know, improve their experience while also maximizing that access, then we'll definitely consider doing it in future years. But then on the other hand, if we see that things really aren't improving or experiences aren't aren't really what we expected them to be, then we would stop the pilot and reassess and look for other options. And there were other firsts in the Moab area on Monday, the first day back at school without a mask mandate since 2020. So here we are. Today is day one without masks, and I've been out and about in the schools, and people seem uh, to be handling the change really well. Grand County School District Superintendent Taryn Kay. She said most people at the schools chose to go without a mask yesterday, but anyone who wants to wear one is, of course, allowed and supported and encouraged to do so. So parents can still send their students to school with masks, but there is no mandate. The mask mandate was not renewed by the health department for 2022. The reasoning? Vaccines are available for all school-aged children. So far, the health department says 22% of Grand County's 5- to 11-year-olds have had at least one dose of the vaccine. The numbers are slightly more than double for local 12- to 18-year-olds. 47% of that population has at least one dose. 
If COVID cases do break out in local schools, the district and health department plan to emphasize contact tracing and quarantining as public safety intervention measures. Probably the biggest question I get asked is what if, you know, what if case counts go up? What if all these things happen? And of course, student safety, student and staff safety is our number one priority. And uh, at this time, we don't have any plans to renew the mask mandate. We believe that with quarantining and some of the other measures we've taken, we can keep case counts reasonable. But Kay says, as with any public health crisis, if further action needs to be taken, the district and the health department will consider it. Future mask mandates can only come from the health department, according to state law. In an email, health officer Braden Bradford said he wouldn't rule out another mask mandate for the schools. But he said, quote, most of our efforts are focused on other interventions right now. As for Kay, she says she's noticed a sense of relief at the schools for now. I think that uh, overall, people are probably relieved in that it is a step to returning to normalcy. And our final first of the new year, Moab City's two new council members and mayor were sworn in yesterday. Luke Wojciechowski and Jason Taylor joined the council, and Joette Langanese takes the mayor's office. When we spoke to Langanese last month, she said her first priority is to help city staff and elected officials, quote, feel really comfortable in their roles. How can we make the city government and city hall feel really good about what they're doing? so that the community can feel really good about City Hall and hopefully about the community. The first 2022 Moab City Council meeting will take place next Tuesday. Some states that rely on the Colorado River have been facing water shortages as levels have been dropping. But some Navajo Nation members have been living without easy access to water for years. That's why the federal government started building a drinking water system on the reservation. Emma Vandenide reports on the success and the remaining challenges of this long-term project. Teddy Lopez has learned that nothing is guaranteed. He was given news last August that no one wants to hear. I have cancer, so I just take care of my family, I guess. In the small town of Lybrook, New Mexico, around 60 miles south of Farmington, there's not much to take his mind off the subject. So, Lopez invests his time in gardening. I got tomatoes in my garden. That's just wonderful. But the water that comes out of his hose isn't guaranteed either. The Lybrook Water Association has to do routine maintenance. When they go and clean the tank out, they tell us about a week ahead of time. Then we store water. We store water for our toilet bowls and we store water for bathing. But he puts his hope in a water project that might be more stable for his family. If the Navajo water, the cutter lateral came in, it would be a lot cheaper. The cutter lateral he's referencing is one of two water pipelines running from two water treatment plants. It's called the Navajo Gallup Water Supply Project, but it's not a new project. Pat Page works for the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation in the office that oversees the project's construction. He says this discussion has lasted for more than four decades, until the stars aligned in 2005. The Navajo Nation in the state of New Mexico signed a, a water rights settlement agreement, settling the, the claims of the Navajo Nation on the San Juan River Basin. But the federal government didn't enter the picture until 2009. That's when Congress passed a law that authorized many projects, including the design and construction of the Navajo Gallup Water Supply Project. 
The Bureau of Reclamation's goal was to divert over 37,000 acre-feet of water from the San Juan River Basin to three locations, the Navajo Nation, the Hikaria Apache Nation, and the city of Gallup in New Mexico. By 2040, the project plans to serve 250,000 people. Page says they're well into construction. 250 miles out of the 300 miles of pipe are either in the ground or, or under construction. But we still do have some big items left to construct. The Indian Health Service estimated in 2020 that over 9,600 homes on the Navajo Nation did not have access to water. Jason John directs water resources for the Navajo Nation, and he shared over a Zoom call that this lack of water can be life-altering. Your life is totally different. How you spend your free time, how you ration the water, how you cook. 90% of residents that do receive water in the Navajo Nation rely on groundwater, which can't be replenished as quickly as surface water. Page says that's exactly what the project is trying to fix. We're essentially replacing that groundwater supply with the treated surface water supply, which makes it more reliable, more sustainable, and probably in many cases, definitely improved quality. The project has already seen some success despite the ongoing pandemic. We were able to complete the construction on the Cutter Lateral. October of 2020, we began initial water deliveries to communities. The Cutter Lateral stretches water pipelines from Blanco to Pueblo Pintado in New Mexico. It was fully operational this July and continues to bring water to eight Navajo communities. It also goes through Lybrook, where Lopez lives, but he is still having trouble receiving water. There's a rancher that lives between the water line and we have to go around his place. Lopez isn't the only one experiencing problems. The other pipeline, the San Juan Lateral, is still under construction. The public law states that the Navajo Nation project areas in Arizona have access to 6,411 acre-feet of water. But there's a catch right underneath it, John says. We cannot deliver any water into Arizona through the project until the Navajo Nation as a whole resolves its water rights claims in Arizona. Until then, Arizona residents on the San Juan Lateral can't receive water from the project even if the pipes are in place. John says their water should be a basic human right. We can't give any water through the project to residents in Arizona. And you would think that that type of language wouldn't occur in the United States. That stalemate, along with other financial needs for the project, are some of the reasons why the completion date moved from 2024 to 2029. Page believes the project will still make an impact. It doesn't just meet the immediate needs, but it also is going to meet the the needs and and really change the lives of generations to come. That was Emma Vandenindy reporting with our partners at KJZZ's Tribal Natural Resources Desk. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, January 4th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.